You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. I think the knowing is really powerful because you stop guessing. Coming to you from the studios at Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. In his fascinating last book, Brief Answers to the Big Questions, Stephen Hawking wrote, Remember to look up at the stars, not down at your feet. Try to make sense of what you see and wonder about what makes the universe exist. Be curious. And however difficult life may seem, there is always something you can do and succeed at. It matters that you don't just give up. Unleash your imagination. Shape the future. Just about everything about Stephen Hawking is inspiring to me, but I particularly thought of these lines as I anticipated talking with today's guest. Greg Hamilton publishes Arlington Magazine. Together with his team, he's bringing national quality journalism and high-quality editorial and design sensibilities to a hyper-local audience. I first met Greg when we were both in Leadership Arlington's signature program, Class of 2014. At that time, he was three years into publication of Arlington Magazine, still a relatively new venture. Many had forecast the demise of print journalism, but not Greg. He saw opportunity. Since then, I've watched him assume leadership roles all across the county, chair of the Leadership Center for Excellence, Chamber of Commerce, more board service with the YMCA and Arlington Community Foundation. I challenge you to come up with a major event in the county that he hasn't headlined or emceed. So Greg is no stranger to the Arlington community. But what do we know of Greg the person? And even more importantly, what do we know of Greg the curious person? This is a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. And how does curiosity show up in Greg Hamilton's work and life, I wanted to know? We're about to find out. Welcome, Greg. Um, thank you for having me. It's good to see you, Lynn. It's great to have you here. I want to ask you, when were you first conscious of your own curiosity? I think I've always been a curious person. I was a curious boy, and I've always had, you know, I, I think a relatively high degree of intellectual curiosity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just – the world is a fascinating place. Um, I don't read a whole lot of fiction. Most of what I read is nonfiction. I just find people's stories and history um, to be fascinating. Yeah. So I think that's where it – you know, that's one example of how it appears. I also think publishing any – you know, any kind of editorial product requires a degree of curiosity. Right. Well, you're you're finding the stories, you're telling right. the stories, you're right. wondering kind of is there a story here? Is there a story? Is it something that would be of interest to our readers? How do we localize this topic? Is it a, are there local trends we can point to? Right. So, you know, I think curiosity uh, sort of weaves through my professional life certainly. Um, it also weaves through my personal life. And that's really where I want to go. Yeah, I um, you know, audience you're just going to have to read about Greg Hamilton and publishing someplace else. There are lots of great conversations on that. But you have had a particularly important year personally that really relates to curiosity. So share the story. I'm dying to hear the details of this. Sure, sure. Well, I was put up for adoption as a baby. Mm-hmm. 
and I was raised by a wonderful family. I have a mother and father who love me and have supported me and are terrific. Um, I have an older sister who is also wonderful and um, we're, we're close. Uh, but I've known that I was adopted ever since I was, well, since I can remember. I remember, uh-huh. you know, my name was... So it was never a surprise It was you. never a surprise. It yeah. wasn't like, you know, going through the attic at 16 and found this damning or this document that changed my life forever. You know, as a little boy, I knew my name was Greg. I knew there was a Santa Claus and I knew that I was adopted. Uh-huh. It was just one of those certainties in life. And as an adult, I've sort of dug into it because what I've learned, what I've read, what I've learned through therapy is that people who are put up for adoption often have feelings of low self-esteem. Mm. They have belongingness issues. They lack feelings of authenticity. They have feelings of grief and you know they mourn the loss of their biological family. And I certainly felt that on and off through my life and more acutely when there was a rough patch. Right. And I think, you know, you hit a rough patch and it can really, those feelings can really drag you down. And so I've done a lot of work around just managing that and coming to grips with it. And our oldest daughter, Caroline, who turned 17 mm-hmm. in January, uh, when she was born in 2003, and I started to really think about, okay, I, I want to... The birth of your own child was yeah, sort of the I trigger wanna, right. for and where I'd did this been, go? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I felt, well, you know, my wife has this big Irish Catholic family, and they're <laughs> super fun, and they're from, you know, Inchigila, which is this small town in West Cork, and they, they just know everything, and I knew nothing. Yeah. You know, no medical history, no countries of origin, nothing. Nothing. And that's just weird, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, you have no history. Right. You're a one-off. And uh, that's just a strange And were you curious feeling. about it or was it just – was it kind of an unknown but not curious for a No, I was or? always curious you about it. You were always it. curious about it. I don't it, think okay. I had the courage to curious. to deal with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's scary. It is scary because it's yeah. – You don't know what you're going to find. Right. Are the you unknowns reje- are unknowns. Are you going to be rejected all over again? What does right. that look like? So I think it's scary, which is why a lot of people don't deal with it and they mm-hmm. just shove it down and mm-hmm. go on with their lives. So Caroline was born in 2003, and I had a work event, meaning not an event like a conference, but I was actually fired from a job that I'd had for eight years. There oh, was wow. a change in leadership, and I was you know, discarded. And um, that led to, uh, to therapy for the first time in my life, and it was really helpful. And I remember the therapist gave me this book called The Girls Who Went Away. And anybody oh. out there who's listening, if you're adopted, please I'll go I'll put read. a link on my website. It's a great book. It's great. called The Girls Who Went Away. Uh, he interviewed all of these women between roughly the 1950s through the passage of Roe v. Wade. Uh-huh. When there was when there no legal of, abortion. Right. There was no you, – if you were unmarried, you could not get contraception. So our society was awash in unwanted, unwanted kids. Right. And there was right. a whole sort of infrastructure. You're part of a fairly large cohort yeah, in that yeah, respect, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. And a whole sort of infrastructure had built up to mm-hmm. deal with placing these kids. So my birth mother stayed at a, it's called a Florence Crittenden home, which mm-hmm. they don't exist anymore, but they were all over the country yeah. once upon a time. And so anyway, when you read this book, what you really, I think, as an adoptee understand for the first time is that these women in many instances were you know, coerced into giving right. up their children. They had no choice. And it was their parents, the authorities, the clergy, 
every all adult, the social pressures, every everything adult around them. in their life. Right. They were whisked away. They were in embarrassment. They were put in a home. They're basically coerced into giving up their children. Mm-hmm. And so some gave them up willingly because they knew it was the right thing to do for them and for their child. Not that it made that a choice any easier. Right. Others really had no choice. So it's a, it's a really powerful book. So anyway, I started the search for my birth mother really in 05. And there's no like, I'm from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. It's a closed adoption state mm-hmm. or was. And there's no real playbook about how you proceed. Right. right. Just kinda... And of course, at that point, the internet was not necessarily the right place that some of these right. things show up now. It wasn't so, a great – I mean, it right. was – obviously, we had the internet. Right. But the internet's only as good as what's on it. As what's on yeah, it. Yeah. Right. So there just wasn't a whole lot of direction. Right. So, right. so where yeah. do you – so where so did was, you look? There were a bunch of false starts. I tried to track down records from Florence Crittenden, mm-hmm. which is essentially a defunct organization. So you knew the, the sort of the agency or the intermediary right. that had been involved. So that's I knew a, a little bit, bits and pieces yeah. from my mom and dad, uh-huh. and but they really didn't remember much. And they discarded my adoption records right. at and some it, point along the way. Yeah. Um, wow. It was a different time. Right. And they just, right. I think, you know. Well, they were part of that same social soup that, right. you know, assigned this a whole series of baggage and importance or unimportance right. to it. It would have been really helpful to have had those I'm adoption sure records, have, but right. I'm not going to hold that against my right. folks. They right. were thrilled that I was but theirs. You and, were theirs, right. Yep. They just said, this stuff isn't relevant. Right. We're just going to get rid of it. So. Yeah. So what do you do? Um, so I went to, again, in no order, I went to Florence Crittenden, which is defunct, and that was a dead end, and spent time trying to find records. Yeah. And I actually called the hospitals around the Philadelphia area that uh-huh. delivered babies uh-huh. to uh-huh. see if they had records, uh-huh. which I got laughed at. Uh-huh. Um, and then I went through, there's an adoption agency in Harrisburg in the state capital of Pennsylvania, uh-huh. and that was a dead end. And I don't recall who turned me on to the idea that actually – uh, was helpful, which was to contact the local county courthouses all around where I grew up. Mm-hmm. So I contacted, mm-hmm. I grew up in Chester County. Uh-huh. So I contacted Chester County, Philadelphia County, Montgomery County, and Delaware County. And I wrote them letters. And those are bi- those of you who live in Arlington and think that's a comparable, those are much bigger counties. Oh, they're huge. They're huge. Oh, in terms of land I grew mass. up in Philadelphia. I mean, yes, oh. this is a big area we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a big area. And, and, so I wrote these letters, and I got a hit back from Delaware County. <sighs> and you have to – they send you a form. Mm-hmm. You fill it out. You give them 100 bucks. All of the correspondence is with the Orphan's Court, which oh just seems like Oliver oh, Twist. Wow. And, you know, it's wow. kind of – right. And like what an – adding insult to injury, yeah. salt in the wounds. I yeah, mean, the cow. Orphan's Court. So I have all this paper in front of me that's from the Delaware County Orphan's Court. Oh, wow. Uh, and so in 2011, I filed a petition for the release of limited information, which means non-identifying information mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they won't give you identifying information. Mm-hmm. By law, they're prohibited from doing that. Mm-hmm. So I, I got a – I filled out my form. I sent my 100 bucks. I got a letter back from this very nice judge, Judge Joseph Cronin. And it basically said your mother's name. Uh, you were born at the University of Pennsylvania Hospital. But they gave you a first name. I got a first name. Oh. She was from Ohio. She had. She was a college graduate. She had studied in France. So I got these little pieces of information, oh, which was oh, so tantalizing. Oh, yeah. Um, but like I never knew the hospital where I was born. I never right. knew my birth weight, my birth length. Um, 
So and anyway, that, it was a really. And then all of a sudden, you had that. Yeah, it's really. So I have that, and I've had that since 2011. Oh, wow. In, and again, I'm not. Don't quote me on all these dates and time frames. But in, I believe it was in 2019 or the end of 2018 that uh-huh. Pennsylvania opened the records, and you could file for what I thought oh, was so just medical. in the last year. Yeah. Oh, so wow. I thought I was filing. This was a. This was a. I'm sorry. I'm screwing up the dates. I think they made the change late 2017 or early mm-hmm. 2018. So in okay. 2018, I started the process of trying to get medical information. And I got back a form and it basically sent a letter and said, you're, you're attempting to get identifying information. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole pr- another process for that. <laughs> and so I started to get these letters back. And in February of 2019, uh, I got a letter back. And everything had been addressed to me. Charles Gregory Hamilton is my full name. All of the correspondence had my adoption number. So on Valentine's Day, I opened this letter from the Orphans Court in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. And it's saying, we got your information and we're going to do some things. But at the top, it says, regarding the adoption of Sean Michael, (gasps) which I had never seen before. So now, okay. I just have to pause. Yeah. What did that moment feel like to you? Because well, I just got goosebumps. Well, so I've known my entire life that I'm adopted, okay. and for some reason, it never occurred to me that I was given a different name. a different name at birth. Right. So it, it was like a, you know, it knocked me out of my chair almost. I bet. And so I bet. it was. It was late in the day. It was maybe like six o'clock. My wife was home, so I I walked over with this this letter and I showed it to her and I said, okay. I need a, I need like a sanity check. Can you, what is this? Can you read this and tell me what this means? She glances at it and she looks up and she goes, your name is Sean Michael. Right. And it was just the craziest thing. So now I've got a last name. Right. And since 2011, I've had a first name. Mm -hmm. Also, oh, in the letter from the judge from 2011, revealed my birth mother's age when I was born. So obviously I can do the math. Right. So I know Ohio, college graduate, a first name, a last name, and and a birth year. Yeah. And a birth year. So we found her in five minutes online. It's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Yes. So I uh, we 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 found the name and then the married name, which is really the linchpin, and then went to Facebook and you know And there she was. You see a picture and you're like, Well, that we thought, oh my God, that looks just like our daughter Catherine. Um, which is really pretty wild. And so opened a bottle of champagne and we basically just, um, you know, uh, scoured her Facebook page and looked at pictures and it was amazing and wonderful. And, you know, we weren't 100% sure, but we were 99% sure. I mean, it had to be. Right. Uh, And so that was, I think, Thursday. Saturday morning, I sat down, I wrote a letter, I mailed it off. And about a week and a half later, I got an email back because I included my uh-huh. email address. And we scheduled a time to talk, and we spoke for about an hour and a half. And it was it was amazing. It was really special. And um, it was it was wonderful. It was amazing, and it just sort of filled in all these holes that had always been there. And um, that was in February, and then we. I learned that, you know, she was married. I have two half sisters, uh, and 
they she raised her family in uh, Oakton, Virginia. And oh my, my gosh! My half sister's off, even though she works remotely, her office is in Boston, which is a mile from my house. <laughs> so there they were hiding in plain sight. Um, oh wow! Yeah, and so we met in Vienna in April in person. Uh-huh. Had a wonderful meeting, and she's you know very warm and amazing and. Um, couldn't be more welcoming of this whole thing. And so, and she's had a terrific life. She has two great kids. She has a wonderful husband. She has tons of friends and a nice family. And, you know, it's it's about as good of an outcome as you could right. expect. And so in uh, June, we drove down to Richmond and I met her again and I met my half-sisters and my wife and three daughters were with us. So we all met and um, we're all going to get together this weekend because I have not met my half-sister's husbands and their kids. So we're all going to go down and meet the whole crew. So what are you curious about? You know, it's funny. When I was preparing to speak with her the first time, my wife said, well, you know, are you writing all of your questions down? And I said, you know, I have like five or six sort of broad questions but this is not like an interview or an interrogation. I kind of just have to let it unfold and see what feels comfortable. Yeah. And I there's questions that I want answers to, but it may not be appropriate to ask them out of the gate. Right. I want right. to see how there's it goes. A, there's a time and place for yeah, some of Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. some questions are too much too soon, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Like one question I had was, you know, did you – hold me when I was a baby. And what was that like? Mm. That might be a bit heavy mm-hmm. for a first phone call. Now, it turned right. out that it wasn't because we developed an immediate rapport. Uh-huh. Um, I like to read the other person and then I sort of make my judgment about, okay, here's what's appropriate to ask. Right. Here's what's not appropriate to ask and just let it sort of unfold. Yeah. So... Um, I mean, what was I curious about? God, everything. <laughs> you know, like, right. What, what, what wouldn't you be yeah, curious about? Yeah. Like, w- you know, what happened? Right. Like, what? why did you make the choice to put me out for adoption? What were your personal circumstances? Where were you born? What was your childhood like? You know, what are your kids like? What's your husband like? What was my birth father like? I can't believe I just, he was fifth in my list of things. Right. You know, what? Um, what were your parents like? What? Are my countries of origin? You know, well, you know. I mean, the list is pretty long, yeah. and we're still hitting on, you know, new material. Right, it's all new t- material. Yeah, conceivably for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you think that that sort of living with this fundamental unknown in your life has influenced your life in ways outside of the uh, personal experience? What do you mean? Well, I was just, you know, as I was thinking about this, I thought, gee, I wonder, I wonder if sort of having a very present personal experience of of curiosity, of an unknown, kind of it sort of sits there with you, uh, maybe in the foreground, maybe in the background, you know, if or how that might influence your tolerance for or recognition of 
uncertainty and unknowns as a motivator or as a force in other people's lives. I mean, you mentioned this whole question of the start of kind of what happens to your sense of belonging. And I think I don't think it's a mistake that he ended up so connected in his community. I mean, you have made yourself a place to belong here and you have strong relationships in the community and you Arlington Magazine is a way of showcasing um, what's home and where Connection. you belong. And right. I just wonder if there's my, if my armchair psychology right. resonates in any way. You know, um, before I came over, I, I Googled psychological effects of adoption on, on children. Oh, uh-huh. And I've always known this, but I just wanted to have it in front of me. Um, struggles with low self-esteem, um, identity issues, or feeling unsure of where they fit in, uh, difficulty forming emotional attachments, um, a sense of grief or loss related to their birth family. You know, I think I've, you know, dealt with these issues over mm-hmm. time. And I think mm-hmm. like, you know, if you had met me as a teenager or in high or in college, uh, you know, you probably would have thought, okay, you know, confident guy, sure. maybe, maybe at times a little cocky, you know, um, very self-assured, you know, lots of friends. You know, but I think I was sort of covering up for all sorts of stuff. Right. And um, I think oftentimes people will point to an event in their life and use that as kind of a crutch to explain away certain behavior. Mm. Um, and in the grand scheme of this trauma if, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, of being given up for, I mean, compared to what many others have gone through, is really nothing. Right. Um, but it's a, a big. Right. But I. It's a, a big experience. Yeah, but there's lots of people who have suffered. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, horrible stories. Right. Horrible. St- like this is nothing in comparison. Right. So I, I don't want to um, make too big of a deal of it, but I do think that adoption does bring a certain set of, um, you know, problems or baggage. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, if you're an adoptee, you should be aware of it and not just sort of jam it down someplace because it's going to pop out in weird ways. Um, I think, you know, in my life, I've been perhaps overly sensitive at times. Um, so, you know, I'm, we're all a work in progress. Well, I like, I mean, it seems to me you've, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Maybe collector. I'm overcompensating. Well, but, but let me offer a different frame on it because, you know, I harvest curiosity practices in these conversations. People bring them forward. And one, it seems to me that you've used is a kind of doggedness about, you know, you just keep looking and you think who else might have information about this. I mean, that's, you know, back to hawking and just sort of unleashing your imagination and just not giving up on something. Mm-hmm. You know, you read meet red dead ends, but you keep going. But another, it seems to me, is to be curious about how this experience has affected you. And sometimes those answers are really enlightening and empowering, and some of them are hard mm-hmm. lessons to swallow. But to hear you talk about it, the value of doing that is that there is power in the knowledge, however uncomfortable right. it may be. Yeah, I was having a conversation this summer with a friend who was also put up for adoption, and um, he's really sort of struggled with it and what's the right 
sort of set of next steps. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, you know, I don't know what you're going to find. It could be nice. It could be indifferent. It could be terrible. Um, I think the knowing is really powerful because you stop guessing. Right. Otherwise, it eats away at you. And maybe eats away at you is too strong, nibbles away at you. Uh, So I think the knowing is if you're in a position to find out, I, for me, finding out is absolutely the right thing to do. Now, I lucked out because I found a good situation. You know, I lucked out what I found. You know, I have a birth mother who has had a very nice life and has had a you know wonderful family and hasn't lacked for things. And it's so it's good. And it's funny, we were after we first spoke, we were having an email exchange and I went back and sort of elaborated a bit on the search. And the response back made me feel like I had almost maybe not intimidated, but I think I felt like she was sort of maybe putting the brakes on a little bit. Like, Mm. whoa, like you really expended (laughs) a lot of energy on this. Like kind of like between the lines, what do you want? Uh Uh And I said to her, like, I don't have an agenda. Uh I just wanted to know stuff. Like, but beyond that, there's no agenda. I think I kind of feel like the dog that caught the car. Like I caught the car. Like, well, now what do I do? Um, And I think that sort of put her at ease. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Well, thank you, Greg, for sharing that and coming in. Yeah. Thanks for – thank you for listening. You've been listening to WERA 96.7 FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up with this or any of the other great shows here on Radio Arlington, check us out online and on demand at WERA.FM. If you want to hear any of my previous episodes, check them out on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and Facebook, all at Choose to be Curious, and on my website at ChooseToBeCurious.com. I hope you follow me there and on Twitter at Choose Number 2, Letter B, Curious. Many thanks to my guest, Greg Hamilton. Check out the links to Arlington Magazine on my website. I've got a link to the girls who went away there as well. And a shameless plug here. Check out the other best of winners from Arlington Magazine. Choose to be curious about the people and places in your community that may be new to you. Thanks to Sean Ballack for our theme music. And this is City Limits by Albany, New York via Blue Dot Sessions. So where might you be curious? Unleash your imagination and shape your future. I hope you'll join us again next time. And until then, choose to be curious. Like, I've had a great life. I'm really lucky. I'm really fortunate. Yeah. I just wanted some answers. And if a relationship comes out of that, and it seems like it is, then, you know, I think we all have lots of room in our heart for people. And uh, so I'm, I'm, it's, it's been amazing. It's been a wonderful, wonderful year. One of the better years on record for, for me. Funding for Choose to be Curious is provided in part by Concentric Private Wealth, where changemakers develop clarity for today and confidence for tomorrow by centering on what matters most, which involves more than just money. More information at www.concentricpw.com. Advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, 
a registered investment advisor. Choose to be Curious is sponsored in part by realtor Christine Hopkins. Curious about real estate? Christine works with clients from around the world using her time and knowledge to build community. As she likes to say, community engagement has always been my big why. Working in real estate has helped me express that. What makes you part of a community more than living there? For more information, visit facebook.com slash Nova House Hunter.